Hey, this is Brandon Lucido, owner of the Lucido Real Estate Team. On our podcast, we talk about life events, real estate, and how to help and serve people. Catch our podcast every week for a new episode. You can find more information on us at thelucidoteam.com. On behalf of my team, thanks for tuning in. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. How's everyone's weekend? It was great. Yeah. Fun filled. Very fun. Did anyone get a sprinkle of rain? I drove through a downpour in Plano. It was great. I went off-roading in an area that got rain, and that made me really jealous of where they were. Yeah, you didn't have your bucket, Wilson, with you to no. collect it to bring it back home so you could no. water your... Is everyone's grass kind of light brown right now, or is it just mine? Nope. Mine's a little crunchy. I've got some dry spots, but I'm watering like crazy. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we're on a, we're on a, a restriction um two days a week yeah they they said like even number of houses you know do it on these days odd numbers do it on these days and they're driving around looking will they replace your grass that's my question Mm -hmm. you know because of the timing that we moved in i'm curious to see on that with that warranty new yeah at least with the new houses yeah i don't know if you're gonna if you're gonna regulate my water yeah i kind of like to keep my grass Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hot. It's hot. Here's August. Yeah. More hot. It is still hotter here than it is in Djibouti, Africa. <laughs> yes. Shout out to Mr. Matt Jones. All right. Sergeant. There we go. Wilson, where are you going this weekend? Or uh, this week? Tomorrow, uh, we're heading to New Orleans for Will's 21st birthday. There you go. <laughs> yep. Great place to spend your 21st. It is. It is. Yeah, he's... Make sure you bring my GoPro. Oh, yeah. He he saw plenty of things a couple of years ago that he wanted to go back and check out once that he's legal. So <laughs> we'll see what kind of trip it's going to be. But, yeah, we've got a, an Airbnb for him and several of his friends while Tanya and I will be at the Waldorf Astoria um, enjoying ourselves. <laughs> Can't wait. I think he's actually happy about that. <laughs> yes. Not to be in a house full of 21 year Oh, for sure. Yeah, to be... Probably at least somewhat new to drinking. Uh, Wilson's yeah. not going to get much sleep if he stays in that place. Exactly. Uh-huh. So after that, then we head to Nashville, Tennessee uh, for a weekend of indie racing. Very nice. Yeah. Right. Oh, man. That's awesome. And back yeah. here next Monday. Nice. Yeah. Well, the heat will still be here. It will. It'll, it'll yeah. go wherever we go. Heat that's right. Mm-hmm. But it's good. It's good to get out. Good to get a break every once in a while. Yeah. Yeah. All right. A couple of things on the docket today. First thing is let's unpack news in the real estate industry. Something a little different that we normally don't talk about. Uh, I found an article that is referencing. Well, let me pull it up here. Here we go. Industrial outdoor storage. Abbreviation IOS. So kind of self-explanatory, but for those that don't quite grasp the words, it's storage that is outdoors that can house, uh, you know, uh, commercial equipment, vehicles, vehicles, boats, recreational vehicles, you know, trailers. Yes. Maybe maybe raw materials. Sure. Like steel and stuff like that. Uh, From a, uh, 
approval standpoint within the city uh, is not very attractive to be approved. A lot of homeowners don't like it. A lot of people want industrial parks, you know, near near their primary homestead. Um, and so usually you see these locations in specific pockets because they're all approved in that little area. And so they're not sporadic. They're just really dense and they actually have things called industrial parks mm-hmm. where there's just a business park dedicated to those types of uh, zoning. So, Nonetheless, though, with all this growth and all this expansion, you know, you got you got to keep materials somewhere. You got to keep stuff like that, and 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 so there's there's definitely a, a new demand. So anyhow, there's an article that came out, and and I read it to you. It says uh, industrial outdoor storage, the IOS, is quote the ugly duckling end quote of commercial real estate is having a major moment. IOS. Lots typically used for storage facilities to support business businesses ranging from logistics to e-commerce have reached peak demand. And iOS is now estimated to be a $2 billion asset class on the cusp of going predominantly institutional. iOS, which includes industrial service facilities, moves away from the traditional workspace to store stable items like we're talking about vehicles, equipment, containers, and other materials. IOS can be lay-down yards for trucks and trailer parking, maintenance facilities, or traditional truck terminals so long as the property has a low building-to-land coverage ratio, which is typically less than about 20%. So why are industrial investors like J.P. Morgan and pension funds like Ventura County Employees Retirement Association, say that one twice, (laughs) committing substantial capital to the space. Here are the three reasons iOS is in high demand. Number one, it has a high barrier to entry. iOS properties present limited tax value. Development leads to limited job creation. And in some areas, iOS properties feature unsightly outside storage with Adequate without adequate screening. These limitations mean that the existing iOS properties are coveted because new developments are highly regulated as cities typically do not find them appealing. So, like I was stating earlier, the, the eyesore that is associated with it. Um, so, um, number two, new developments are difficult to kick off due to headwinds from cities and current zoning status, construction costs, and rising cost of raw raw industrial land. So I guess just the, the fact that it's a, it's a scarce product increases the, the price of it. Mm-hmm. And then number three, lastly, increased demand from the transportation, logistics, and construction industries has constrained supply boosting the prospects of an accelerated rent growth environment. This is where the DFW market comes into play for prospective tenants and investors. The average iOS rent in DFW ranges from $3,500 per acre per month to $6,500 per acre per month. Wow. The rate is highly desirable compared to iOS rents, rent rates in coastal markets, which can average between $30K to $60K per acre per month. Now, that's interesting. So we may have some out-of-state clients or mm-hmm. customers that are using this. Not not all these are Dallas-Fort Worth companies storing yeah. stuff. Yeah, I mean, not, I mean, 
ship it to Dallas. Not really outs. I mean, outsourcing to a degree, right? I mean, still U.S. based, but yeah, not, yeah. not local, state based. Yeah. Especially if it's higher on the coast, like you say. Yeah, I mean, yeah. thirty to sixty k a month per acre. Yeah, that's excessive mm-hmm. compared to our attractive thirty five hundred bucks. I mean, a tenth. Mm-hmm. It's only a tenth of it, roughly. Yeah. So what do these look like, do you think? Is it like a fence? So we, you can't see what's behind a fence? I'm looking a, I'm looking at a photo just from the headline, and it's basically like there's a bunch of, you know, agriculture around it, just like a random field that looks like it's been mowed down with a bunch of dirt, mm-hmm. and it has like little bays where you, like, you know, on the dirt where you can park just a bunch of random... I see a little bit of storage containers, some like 18-wheeler uh, trucking yard stuff. I see some tractors. Looks like some some materials like steel or whatnot. So just a mixture of it, but it's just you know it's like, it's like a compound. Yeah. Okay. If well, you've ever been to a rail yard, it's mm-hmm. pro- it probably looks similar, or a, even a container yard. You know, a shipping container. Yeah. So at, at those rail yards, um, you know, you'll see a lot of containers, and you'll see a lot of raw materials there too mm-hmm. we've got one that's been uh that we've been kind of watching go up uh near our house mm. um it, it's like three or four miles away but it's still pretty close um and it's it's got a whole lot of the like uh, kind of awning structures okay but they've they've got um just a, a, a whole lot of space uh elsewhere of just where they've kind of put like caliche down Mm-hmm. Um, and that's where like some of that raw material has been sitting on and mm-hmm. they've, they've actually just been kind of pulling from that material. I guess they stored their stuff there and then built it, but those buildings went up super fast. Uh, and there's already people who just park cars, um, and trailers and stuff in there right now. Mostly it's, I, I would imagine locals parking campers and stuff, but, uh, I'm, I'm, I won't be surprised to start seeing tractors and things like that being pulled there. This seems like a long-term play. It's not like you can go out and say, hey, I'm going to go buy a couple hundred acres so that I can start one of these operations. Seems like you've had to have obtained this land a long time ago, and then it's grown into this. What do y'all think? Sure. Yeah. It also goes on to say that uh, the DFW iOS market has seen a lot of transaction recent months in both the institutional investor and corporate user sites. Most recently, uh, Zenith iOS and J.P. Morgan announced a $700 million iOS joint venture closing on several properties across Dallas in February. And it says some of the end users are CarMax, Too Simple, whatever that is, the Hub Group, uh, Aurora Innovation, etc. So those are the leases of the deal, and you know, obviously CarMax is you know an autoplex, so. Yeah. They probably need extra space to house cars. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense to me right now yeah. because car dealerships are pretty. The inventory is pretty low. Yeah, yeah. The only play I've seen in this type of storage, rental, build out, or industrial park build out is I've had people before. If they want to go, let's say you find you know, uh, 50 acres and you want to go and buy that 50 acres, but you also want something to service the debt on those acreage. Mm -hmm. You can go buy that dirt 
build a storage facility on it, you know, contingent upon zoning. But let's just hypothetically say that the zoning approved it already. Mm-hmm. Get the cash flow from that, pay off the, the actual construction of the building, then pay off the service of, you know, your debt to the land or simultaneously, obviously, because mm-hmm. that's how it would be played out. But anyways, the total cost to associate the land in the, in the, in the storage building would be serviced by that. And then essentially you could either scrap it or, or do whatever, but you got the dirt for free now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This reminds me when I was a kid, you know, back in the eighties, a lot of times you would see golf driving ranges, you know, in odd places. Mm-hmm. Like I remember seeing one right where city place was supposed to be built way down on central and lemon. And it was a golf, you know, a driving range. And I, I used to go down there cause we used to live down there, but it was sold recently and and this huge you know skyscraper is there now then and that's that's what happens is you know that golf course maintains that money gets the cash cash flow Mm -hmm. you know 20 bucks a pop may you know mow it buy one of those funky little tractors that picks up balls and Mm -hmm. you know it's a low operating easy kind of business that makes sense but that, that that's what this reminds me of sure so what can we do to protect our buyers? You know, what if, if it takes a long time to develop this, what, you know, and it's unattractive, what can we do? Well, I think right now there's, there's a huge demand because of the cost per acreage. I mean, if that's the market on the coastal side of things, uh, shoot. I mean, I would consider going and get some investors to buy some land and maybe pitch the opportunity to them for, you know, industrial parks. If, 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 mm-hmm. if we're so attracted because of our, you know, our rent rate, I mean, we're, ten, I mean, you own a, a big corporation that has a bunch of inventory and warehouse needs and, you know, you can relocate that product and pay a 10th of your, you know, rent cost for storage. That's a no brainer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But as things, you know, grow and get, you know, denser and denser, it's just going to keep going up and up. So I imagine these places are out in the beyond the suburbs. They're out in small communities. Yeah, beyond city limits. Right. Irving has some. Las Colinas has some. I've seen them. But they're not like in the golden and platinum corridor. Yeah. That we're all used to living and operating in. Along the tollway. No, no. Yeah, it's, you know, it's a stretch to even get a business park. Mm -hmm. Just dedicated HQs. Yeah. For corporations, you know, you know, beautiful greenery, beautiful, you know, buildings, adequate parking spaces, you know, park, you know, playground, you know, it, still it's difficult. So, yeah, the only ones I've seen relative to where I live are kind of more in the countryside. Mm-hmm. Like you said, just a random plot of land and it's just boom, random storage mm-hmm. buildings for like boats and, and uh, you know, recreational vehicles and, and that's it. I think when we're taking buyers out to who are interested in raw land, we have to, you know, look all around, do a 360 mm-hmm. and see what's around. Yeah. And even pull up, you know, a little further and just because nobody wants to build a house and then have something like that, I would think, right, oh, right sure, next door. Yeah. yeah. And remember, if that is going to happen or if it's in the process of going down, there's going to be a public hearing notice. Mm-hmm. So always. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're buying any property and you're driving by and you're interested in a subject property and adjacent to it, there's a notice of, or proposal of rezoning 
Usually they have a QR code. Just take your phone out and scan it. Hmm. See what it's all about. Nice. Good. That's good advice. Yeah. And even if it's not, look what the, you know, have the agent pull the tax rolls of the land around it to see what it's currently zoned at. Yeah. See if there's anything, you know, of interest coming through. Yeah. You know, the days of just buying land randomly in the middle of nowhere and thinking that nothing will happen is not right now. We have a lot of growth. We have a lot of need for massive amounts of land. Yeah. You have to be smart. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Even properties uh, real close to uh, the river um, on, our, you know, like the, the border between Texas and Oklahoma is getting a lot pricier. Sure. Uh, and and that's, you know, you're quite a ways away from anything really important, you know, up yeah. there. But it's it's going up because the demand's getting there. Mm-hmm. Everything's expanding. Yeah, I've got clients looking in Sherman and Denison right now, and it, it just, you know, that's a long way to drive. Yeah, sure, but it's becoming the norm, or you know, approaching that. Mm-hmm. All right, Wilson, that's what you crazy. got for us? Well, um, real quick, you know, this is kind of a, a crazy market. It's got a lot of unpredictable turns and twists and surprises, and so there are some terms that are that really our buyers need to know, and need to understand, and and. It's probably some that a lot of people have heard, um, but I just want to go over a couple of them. One is the appraisal contingency. That's a good one. You know, you have to um, know that the the asking price of the the house, you know, is is going to be, or whatever you put your offer in, um, is going to be. It might change based upon the appraisal. Yeah, you know, it's always a negotiation. Uh, another term is best and final offer. Do you guys use that? best and final case by case yeah sometimes i do sometimes i don't yeah i i think when people or or agents who just know enough just to be dangerous they'll they'll use that but uh i've always advised my sellers and for our listeners there's going to be some critics and that's okay yeah. oh yeah uh i've always advised my sellers that if this is just a scenario, but let's say we're asking 500 grand and we get an offer for 500 grand. I'm going to wait it out the weekend and see what else comes through. Yeah. But if someone comes in, not limping in, but I mean, just blows us out of the water and gives us a home run offer. I'm, I'm going to advise them to strongly consider taking that offer and getting the, giving them a response mm-hmm. that day. Right. Because they put their best foot forward. Yeah. So I've had people before buyers agents ask me hey you know the next day when are you going to do best and final who said i was right i mean i never stated that that's just an assumption we're actually already already under contract what why well because someone came in the day we hit the market gave us a home run offer and it's it's in my client's best interest to take that well if we would have known you knew because it hit the market friday yeah yeah I had people on, you know, listening that we were talking about it off the air that waited almost a week to see it. Mm. And then I was like, it's under contract. They're like, well, we just saw it. Well, it didn't just hit the market today. It came on last week. Right. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you. Yeah. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah, keep going. Um, and, and if you don't use the best and finally, you might have an escalation clause, which means you're always in the game. You know, whatever is the highest bid, you have a, a an option to bid higher than that. Mm. I don't think I've ever 
uh, sold a property and allowed that. You know, does I, it does it unpack more details to that? It doesn't. It just says um, you can try to beat out the competition by including an escalation clause in your best and final offer. An escalation clause indicates how much you're willing to pay over the highest verified offer. Hmm. I've got to look into that. I I was not aware of. The escalation clause of price offering. I've yeah. never seen that, that just outside seemed, of like an auction. Yeah, that just seems counter to what we were taught. Yeah. How, how how would they know what the best offer is if you can't divulge it? Exactly. Is it to our discretion? Uh, that's interesting. I'll, Seem, have to, I'll have to look into yeah, that. Yeah, look into that. It seems like you would have to let everybody know who made an offer. Okay, here's the highest <laughs> offer. Can yeah. you top it? And then, I think can it. I trust this agent? <laughs> I don't know. That... Our offer is ten million dollars. <laughs> there seems like some, yeah. There seem like some ethical issues with that. Yeah, I, I don't like that. I don't like that. Another huh. term is bridge loan. You know, a bridge loan is simply a short-term loan that allows buyers or borrowers to buy a new property using their current home as collateral. So it's a, like I said, it can be a ninety-day bridge loan. It's, it's a short-term loan. Risk it for the biscuit. I've seen people do that for like investment properties. Like if you're just doing a fix and flip. Yeah, absolutely. The only thing with that is, is you have to be, you know, absolutely sure that when you get that property, you can fix it and sell it Mm. within that term or, or you're getting a lot of interest getting accrued. Yeah. You've got to do your homework. You've got to make sure that you can, you can do the fix, but couldn't do the flip. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's where you get in trouble. Yikes. Uh, I'm sure everybody's heard this debt to income ratio. D to I ratio. DTI. Yep. That's right. So, you know, a lot of a lot of DTI is, you know, right around 42%. And that's that's a gross number. Uh, when you get into net, it falls down to around mid-30s, like 35% is a good debt to income ratio. And that that debt is currently what you have monthly. Monthly based upon what you're bringing in monthly. Mm-hmm. Correct. So in the bank, like Wilson was saying, the bank looks at your uh, and they try to approve you for a loan. One of the factors besides credit, work history, income is, and loan to value is uh, your debt to income. Yeah. And a lot of times the lender will look at that and go, hey, you're approved based off of your debt to income. And if you don't like it, sometimes the lender can advise you on how to mm-hmm. increase those margins by maybe paying off something. Mm-hmm. So if you have a $400 car note a month mm-hmm. you can pay that off and help with your d to i ratio and on that note one of the things that uh, uh i know i've personally had this experience uh, i've known several other agents who have had this experience where their clients will be getting ready to purchase a house getting ready to close on it and suddenly they show up to the the, the final inspection in a brand new car Oh, and it's like, oh, 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 yeah, you can't close anymore because oh. you just screwed up your DTI. Yeah. Like, did you did you finance that or did you pay cash? Well, I financed it. That happened to me one time in my Good career. Luck. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. I, I cried. It was, as to your point, the walkthrough, the yeah. day of closing, brand new Beamer, yeah. and I thought it was a joke. <laughs> yeah. It was not. My heart sank. Yeah. It hadn't. It. I was still fairly new at the time, so it it hadn't clicked to me yet. And I was just like, "Oh, well, I've heard that this can be a bad thing." And then about an hour later, I was like, "Oh no, <laughs> this is really not good." Like, go go take it back, take it back right now. Yeah, yeah. People do that not knowing, like with furniture, they'll yeah. go out and go, "Oh man, I got my house closing yeah. in two weeks." Right. And, 
let's go rack up a credit card worth of 20 or 30 grand in furniture. (laughs) And they're not realizing like, oh, that just impacted my D to I ratio. Mm -hmm. So yes, don't go buy anything until you close on your property. Right. Yeah. Even though, you know, just the thinking, oh, it's not going to be delivered. It doesn't matter. You've financed it. Mm-hmm. Moving with lawn furniture and then just use that same furniture for your first yard sale when you're getting rid of all your old crap. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Another term is pre-approval. Mm-hmm. Does everybody know what a pre-approval is versus a pre-qualification? Everyone in this business should know what that means. Yeah. Pre-approval means a lender has actually guaranteed to give you a mortgage. That's a pre-approval. A pre-qual, they're just looking at your high numbers. They're looking at what you make. They're, you know, they're trusting you. Pre-approval requires due diligence. It requires going through actual tax returns, actual paychecks, you know, actually verifying that you're, you work where you work and you make where you, what you make. What about that stated income? Or you could just state it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that didn't work, huh? No, no. Well, let's not do those. <laughs> <laughs> Flashing back right now to 2008 for a second. Yeah. Ugh. Yes. I was in banking at that time. It was very, it yeah. was tough. It was tough. Just put down what you make. Yeah. You don't need to verify it. Just put it down. That's right. Mm. We know each other. Yeah. And then the last thing, uh, does everybody know what private mortgage insurance is? Uh, expound on PMI. So, you know, PMI is a charge, it's a fee, basically, that your mortgage lender charges you every month. So mm-hmm. you've got principal and interest, okay? That's what it costs to buy a house. But until you pay down your home less than to less than 80% loan-to-value, which means you've got to pay 20% down, mm-hmm. um, the mortgage company is going to charge you a fee. And it can, you know, it can be... A half a percent. I mean, it's not awful, but, you know, you make a couple of years of those, and you're like, how can I get out of this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. One good way out of getting out of the private mortgage insurance is to refinance. If the value of your property has gone up, that's what it takes to get out. You either pay your note down or you make your house more attractive, more, mm-hmm. you know, appraised for higher. Yeah. So, and that PMI, just for those that don't like it, well, here's the reality of it, Okay. Usually, if you get if you have if you're hit with PMI in the beginning, that's because you're putting less than twenty percent down. Okay, that's right. The bank, based off some documentation and a credit, is loaning you hundreds of thousands of dollars, and your skin in the game is less than twenty percent. They're going to do everything they can to try to cover that mm-hmm. and get paid back as quick as that's possible. Right. Yeah. Because, again, they're giving you a lot of money to buy a home. Yep. In return, they want a little bit of interest and a little bit of an insurance policy. Yeah, they want protection. Yes, and that's okay because think about it. What if you were the bank and you were loaning hundreds of thousands of dollars at four and a half, five percent and someone came to you and was like, oh, no, I don't want to. I just want a little bit of skin in the game. I want you to take all the risk and liability. Yeah. Well, okay, but <laughs> – I want some insurance on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I'll make you a deal. Once you get to your 20% loan to value or your 80% of, you know, equity, then uh, we'll go ahead and, and we'll, you know, remove it. Yeah. Nothing changes. You're still making your mortgage payments and, and the, your house is still collateral. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, you know, I guess it's fair. It's fair for the, these banks to, to charge that because they're protecting themselves. It's yeah. banks operate in a risky environment. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. They give you money 
and you promise to pay it back. Yep. But you have to perform. Correct. It takes performance to get rid of that fee. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, yeah, those are just some terms that um, you guys need to be aware of, you know, when you're showing houses and talking to people. Yeah. Good. But yeah. You know, going back to... Um, Going back to that debt to income ratio, I'm having those conversations when I'm walking through a house. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about you know, you know, if we're putting an offer in, you know, you you need to cease from buying anything major. Yeah. After this, sure. And just kind of going a lull. I know it's going to get exciting, and I'll say it several times. Or if I'm having a meeting with my more or with their mortgage lender, mm-hmm. I will ask him or her, "Will you please reiterate?" Yeah. For them, so that they're not just hearing it from me, but they're hearing it from you, for them not to buy anything major until oh, yeah. we close. Well, and so I had an instance um, about a month or so ago. I was going to help uh, somebody get out of a, a tough situation, and we were just trying to find options of, of okay, what what can what can they afford? Mm-hmm. Um, and the topic came up of uh, my client just said, "Well, so." my vehicle is, is going down and it's, it's the only car that I have. So I'm, I might need to get something soon. And so we just, with the banker, we said, okay, well, um, hypothetically, this would be the, you know, around the range of the price of the vehicle. And he said, okay, well we can, we can kind of estimate mm-hmm. what that payment would be to mm-hmm. adjust that the debt to income ratio. So you can, you know, before you even go start looking at houses, you can, you can, plan out like okay if i do need to buy a car or buy you know buy something in between now and then let's let's just go ahead and plan for that so that you're not screwing yourself up yep that's true yeah the key to that's open communication yeah be honest and man in this industry honest communication is probably one of the most important things oh yeah like it's 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 that way in in 99 percent of of uh of workplaces and stuff like that but Especially in something where you're making one of the biggest investments of your of your entire life, you really need to be upfront with everything. That's right. That's sure. Right. All right. Last thing. State Fair of Texas. Yeah. State Fair. Yes. State Fair of Texas. It's coming up in sixty days. Sixty days. Actually, fifty nine, but close enough. September thirtieth to October twenty third this year. Nice. So where is the State Fair of Texas located? At the State Fairgrounds. Yeah, Fair Park. (laughs) Fair Park. In Dallas. In Dallas. Not Funky Town. No. Not Fort Worth. Nope. (laughs) Dallas. Where it should be. Yep. Yes. It's it's beautiful down there. Uh, I love that kind of architecture, that art deco. It was made back in the 30s. And um, my grandfather used to take me there even when it's not the fair. You know, they had an aquarium, a natural history museum, planetarium. Um, when we were in elementary school, they would take us down there for the symphony and, you know, ride the buses. We were all scared that we were going to get on the wrong bus and be <laughs> bussed back to some other school. But anyway, it's only $24 to get in the ticket, uh, to get in the fair this year. Nice. $24. They still doing the uh, you know bring canned goods and, and get price off. Yep, usually it's a can of Dr Pepper or something like that. Yeah. But um, a lot of times your grocery stores will have have a, a way for you to get discounts. Mm-hmm. You could get a season pass for only twice that. Wow! So for fifty bucks, you can buy it online or at the gate. You can go as many times as you want. Hmm. That does not include parking, by the way. Yeah, but that's a good deal. All right, trivia question for you. Let's have it before you unpack the rest of it. 
What year did the State Fair of Texas open? Wilson, do not look at your laptop. <laughs> mm. State Fair of Texas, first year. When did it open? Yeah, just... Just because I said, just because I said the buildings were built in the 30s, doesn't mean it started after that. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. I don't know, but it's going to be a lot earlier than that. Yeah, I, I would say like in the, I don't know why the the, the date in 1918 is popping into head, but I, I'm probably way off. All right, Bobby for 1918. I'm Wilson, say, I'm going to say 1898. 1898 for Wilson. All right. And the State Fair of Texas opened its gates for the first time on October 26, 1886. Wow. Wow. Yep. Approximately 14,000 people attended the opening day. Dang. That's pretty good. That's really good. 1886. Talk about state pride. It said on November 7th, so I guess it, oh, so it must have, it ran longer. So from October 26th, 1886 to November 7th, 1886. That's only two weeks. October to November? October 26th. Wait, am I doing my math? No. Four days plus seven, that's yeah, 11 days. Incorrect, just making sure Wilson was paying attention. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it attracted over 100,000 people. Wow. Which is pretty lot. substantial. That's potent. Yeah, I mean, considering the population in the area back then, that's a yeah substantial amount. That's right. Hmm. In 1913, the fair introduces the first automobile building, which was filled with 175 vehicles for foregoers to see. Fun fact, if you're looking for a great car show, the last several times that I went to the Dallas Auto Show and the State Fair this, on the same year, uh, the State Fair had a much better like car show. Yeah. Ready for the next statistic? Yeah, let's hear it. I'm still in your thunder. You were supposed to be No, no, I like this. this. I'm, I'm enjoying this. The Fair Park was canceled in 1918 due to the U.S. Army taking control of Fair Park to establish an aviation boot camp known as Camp Dick. It resumed the next year. That's hmm. what you were thinking, Bobby, 1918. Be, yeah. That or El Phoenix. That's when it started. Uh, I bet you El Phoenix. <laughs> yeah, I had that drilled in my head for a while. Yes. Uh, in 1925, the first State Fair Classic is played. Not sure the details on that. I think it's probably a football game. Probably yeah, college football. Here we go. Wilson will love this one. In 1929, Texas versus OU played their first, played there for the first time, called the Red River Rivalry. How come? I think it then transitioned to Red River Shootout, and then... Someone got their feelings hurt and they changed yep. it to something else. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um, nineteen thirty is the construction of the cotton bowl. Yay. I'll be done. Yes. Many good memories there. Yep. Yeah. What year here we go. Did Big Tex make its first appearance? I was just about to ask that. Now, did Big Tex start with some of the um uh, some of the electronics that are in him. 
Or was he just a big statue for a He while? was a Santa Claus from East Texas. Okay. I don't I don't have the answer on that one. Okay. But it just says Big Tex made its first appearance. 52, 1952, I'll say. Yeah, I was going to guess uh, early to mid-50s. Weirdly enough, it's 1952. Nice. I don't know how Wilson knew that. Except, <laughs> for, the, except for that laptop in front of him. No. <laughs> Wilson, Lord knows. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on foods, waiting he to talk about foods. foods. Okay, I'll let you <laughs> run point on that one. Wow, 1952. Yeah, huh. For those that don't know, Wilson works part-time at the State Fair. He's a historian buff. He does tours. Was it 1099? That's right. I guess yes. people's weight sometimes, That's too. That's right. He's that guy. He's with highly the little, accurate. The little genie guy that sits there and just, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Um, what year did the Dallas Cowboys play their first season in the Cotton Bowl? Come on. I'll let Bobby answer that because you know I know that. I I have no idea. I don't follow the Cowboys that much. Not even back then, 1960. <laughs> okay. I'm taking Wilson to trivia night. 1960 yeah. is when the Dallas Cowboys played their first season in the Cotton Bowl. And they're going to wear a helmet just like they wore in 1960 at Thanksgiving this year. It's going to be a white throwback helmet. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Yeah. I always love seeing that kind of stuff. All right. Wilson, Sorry. take over the food. It's a big conversation and topic at the State Fair. Everybody likes corny dogs. Oh, yeah. Uh, Fletcher's Corny Dogs has been out there for years and years and years, but there's other good things out there. New this year, first thing is bacon jam corn bombs. Bacon jam corn bombs? Yes. That sounds dangerous. Yes. Warm bacon jam is ladled over crispy corn hush puppies. Then complemented with a drizzle of ranch dressing and topped with homemade candied jalapenos. Hmm. So the the idea of bacon jam sounds disgusting, but I I had it recently and it was different than I was expecting it to be, and it that sounds like it's gonna rock the socks off. What's that commercial? I think I put that stuff on everything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I would put it on everything. That, that I mean, sounds great. I guess you could just get a piece of bacon and some grape jelly together and try it it's it's not so well i I guess so in in some cases it can be a little bit sweet but yeah another thing you can get is a bag of egg rolls so not just regular chinese egg rolls but you can get mac and cheese egg rolls Uh, a Mm -hmm. bag of egg (laughs) the description is kind of weird yeah it looks like a brown paper bag a pizza egg roll or one of brandon's favorite the samosa egg roll samosa yeah that's indian Mm, no, yeah. I don't do the Indian food. Another thing is the Big Tex Bowl. This looks like uh, some late night eating <laughs> went into the creation of this. It's a rich and creamy three cheese sauce perfectly combined with cavatappi noodles to hold all the cheesy goodness. Then it's topped with smoked brisket, sharp cheddar, French fried onions, chives, applewood smoked bacon, candied jalapenos, and a barbecue cream sauce. Man, this just sounds like heartburn and like, oh my gosh. Where do people come up with these creations? Oh, it's, it's a science. I'll go through these quickly. Bucket of fries. Just imagine a bucket of fries. There yeah, you go with pretty, a lot of toppings. Pretty staple there. Okay. Chicken on a stick. Uh, kind of like a kebab. Okay. Chicken on a stick. All Chicken right. on a stick. Now, are they still going to have the turkey legs? Oh, yeah. These yeah, are just okay. new things. Okay. So, yeah. They'll Chicken have on a stick. Uh, country fried shrimp grits. So, if you ever have shrimp and grits, I can't. 
have shrimp and grits. So Tanya makes me sausage and grits. Huh. So that's that's a good good uh, good thing. The Dallas Hot Bird Dog. So that's a hot dog. It's actually no. It looks like it's a a baked potato. Baked potato packed with smoked turkey franks and fiery seasoned batter and deep fried in a rich and creamy mac and cheese sauce. Hmm. Well, that sounds interesting. Yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah. Deep fried pancakes. Wait. Deep fried. They so, look like they're little hush puppy balls. Hmm. So is it like pancake dough and they deep fry it? I yeah. guess I guess yeah. that's that's bound to be it. Yeah, it's pancakes like you've never had before. They're just individual bite-sized pancakes. Every bite's the best part. Um, these fresh-from-the-fryer hotcakes come with your choice of one-of-a-kind homemade syrups, maple butter, fresh blueberry sauce, or original mm. pecan butter syrup. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Is it lunchtime yet? Mm-hmm. Deep-fried PB&J sandwich. Yeah, that's interesting. Deep-fried peach cobbler sole rolls. Those look pretty good. And deep fried shrimp etouffee. Okay. Uh, deep fried toffee. Interesting. Yeah. Mexican bread pudding. Oh, That's pretty good. Uh, yeah, maybe. Hey, this is popular. Frozen ranch water. I don't, I don't so know what that is. Ranch water is like a hard seltzer, but I think they use tequila in it instead of uh, huh. uh, instead of being like a seltzer beer. Yeah, kind of you must be over twenty one. Yeah. And there, there are many other things. I mean, there's probably a dozen more new items hmm. that. But just go out there and try one of everything. You know, go with a couple of people. Maybe you can split yeah. <laughs> with the portion. They can help roll you out of there. Yeah, because you can't eat everything. But that's that's one of the best part of the of the fair. Best things is is eating the food and trying it out. Yeah, uh, I love me a Fletcher's corn dog. I mean, that's just a staple. Yep. You kind of have to. You, yeah. you have to yeah. get one of those when you're there. The the first year they started. Fr- I mean, I know they had started frying stuff for many years, but like the big deal for me when i was going in my youth was that fried oreo oh yeah, yeah. i remember the the news having a field day about that and oh, that sounded so weird but I, yeah I, I can do them i can eat about half of one and then it just kind of coats my mouth with them yeah yeah it's weird it's oily yeah i feel yeah. as the day goes on my stomach's processing like just <laughs> the amount of oil I have consumed from friedness. Yeah, I highly recommend anyone going to the state fair and eating a lot of the wild foods have already gone to the store and stacked your house full of TP. <laughs> don't don't Bobby, wait until you get Bobby's home advice to realize you're, you're low on that stuff. <laughs> Why don't you just take it with you? You might not be able to make it out. You um, might not, yeah. I'm telling you. Yes. Wow, that's, well, you're a good planner, Bobby. That's when you're thinking hey, about that kind of stuff. Y'all see Bobby at the state fair. You know he's you know he's packing. <laughs> yeah, don't Man, don't walk behind him. And uh, in basic training, they 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 tell you always be prepared for the worst and hope for the best. That's and, true. And uh, you live by that. I live by that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. September 30th. Get out there. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. That does it for us. And I'll see everyone next week. Sounds good. I hope you enjoyed the discussion today. Click on the subscribe link to catch our next episode. If you or anyone you know has any real estate needs, you can find more information on us at thelacidoteam.com. On behalf of my team, thanks for tuning in.